Turn with me in your Bibles to uh, 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3. The title of my message is Ghosted. I like that little icon. It reminds me of uh, back when that... This game was very popular. Pac-Man, yes. Pac-Man, you had to, you know, and that's when you had to go to an arcade, okay? For those of you who are, you know, you never had to do that, we, you know, there was a time when in order to play video games, you had to go, you either spent your money to go do video games, uh, or you had them briefly at your home, and that was like ColecoVision, and it was... uh, Sadly, what not what you cannot get on your phone today. But um, I remember back when I was in high school that you would go, and this was a popular game then. Um, you move your the stick; it moves Pac-Man around, and he picks up all the little little dots, and you get to the big dot, and it turns those guys into things that you can eat with Pac-Man. If you don't, those things will eat Pac-Man. Um, but they were called ghosts. So that's the hence why they're, it's called ghosted and the icon. But we'll get into what I'm going to talk about in just a minute. Let's read, to, let's, uh, read this. I'm going to read from the Passion Chan- Translation, 1 John chapter 3, starting at verse 16. This is how we have discovered love's reality. Jesus sacrificed his life for us. Because of this great love, we should be willing to lay down our lives for one another. If anyone sees a fellow believer in need and has the means to help him, yet shows no pity and closes his heart against him, how is it even possible that God's love lives in him? Beloved children, our love can't be an abstract theory we only talk about, but a way of life demonstrated through our loving deeds. We know that truth lives within us because we demonstrate love in action, which will reassure our hearts in His presence. Whatever our hearts, whenever our hearts make us feel guilty and remind us of our failures, we know that God is much greater and more merciful than our conscience, and He knows everything there is to know about us. My delightfully loved friends, when our hearts don't condemn us, we have a bold freedom to speak face-to-face with God. And whatever we ask of Him, we receive because we keep His commands. And by our beautiful intentions, we continue to do what brings pleasure to Him. So these things are His commands, that we continually place our trust in the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, and that we keep loving one another just as he has commanded us. For all who obey his commands find their lives joined in union with him, and he lives and flourishes in them. We know and have proof that he constantly lives and flourishes in us by the spirit that he has given us. Let's pray. Father, we just ask that you will truly... Speak to our hearts and lives. Lord, as your word has said, let the Holy Spirit quicken your word in our lives that we truly understand what it is you are saying to the church. Lord, we desire nothing else than to hold your heart. Lord, we sung about it this morning. When all else is done, when everything is finished, when there's nothing left to do, but just be loved by you. Lord, we desire to experience that love, not just then, but from right now. And Lord, we ask that by your Holy Spirit, that love would become quickened in our lives, not just to make us feel a certain way, but that in fact we will deliver it the way you intended it to be delivered to everyone around us. Lord, we just ask that you will be blessed and honored, and Lord, the intention of your spirit would be in this place. 
Lord, we ask this in your wonderful name. Amen. Ghosted. I didn't know this, but I found out that ghosting is the breaking off of a relationship. So most often an intimate relationship by ceasing all communication and contact with the former partner without any apparent warning or justification, as well as avoiding or ignoring and refusing to respond to the former partner's attempts to reach out or communicate. Did you get that? What that means is ghosting is talking about a breaking of relationship. Without any cause, without any talk, just done. I don't know about you, but I've been ghosted (laughs) by a good share of my friends. It's sometimes... Sorry, Your Majesty, I wasn't able to share that view. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Suri. I've even been ghosted by Surrey. <laughs> I have to give you a little bit of... I, I make Surrey call, call me His Majesty. And uh, <laughs> I also make her British. It sometimes ends up being a little bit of futility because I end up not talking British, and so she ends up giving me something that I've never asked for. But um, now I've been ghosted by Surrey. (laughs) Thank you, thank you, thank you. Okay, let's get back to... A lot of times we've been ghosted. I've been ghosted by by friends. We're often... You've just... There's just a disconnect. There's no reason, no, uh, no talk, just all of a sudden a separation of ways. I've had um, church board members resign, even from this church, without saying anything. They just stopped coming, stopped taking my calls. There have been people who said they wanted to talk, walk with me for life, who no longer want anything to do with me. You know, it's difficult to do things out of relationships, out of relationship when relationships are hard. I have a tendency in myself to avoid things. I don't blame people who end up walking away because I know it's always easier than working it through. I know for myself that my latent tendency is because of the things of people walking away, it's much easier to just simply not deal with the issue and continue on with life. I can remember back when, even when I was in high school, uh, I had a girlfriend, and um, you know we, you know about how my mother was, so I don't really. So for me to have a girlfriend in high school that was outside of the church was quite a difficult thing for me. But I ended up having this girlfriend, and. Um, we started dating, um, but then she told me, she said, you know what, we really can't do this anymore because I really love, like your best friend better. Um, yeah, uh, so at least we had that conversation, but there was still this essence of what do you do with the hurt afterwards? It's kind of like, um, I don't know if any of you do this, but it's like on your Facebook. You have this, you go through your Facebook, and on the far right corner, you can click down, and you can say to Facebook, I want to unfollow this person, 
but I still want to friend them. I don't want to unfriend them. I just don't want to follow them. So they never come into your feed. But there's still this thing that says, I'm still your friend, but I don't want to know anything about you. I don't know. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands how many of you have ever done that, but I have done that. I get people in my feed and I go, I... I, I, can't, I can't do this. I, I can't do this, so I, I need to unfollow. But is that, I guess the thing is, is that in our, in our everyday lives, do we end up doing the Facebook thing with people? Do we still pretend that there is a friendship when really there is no desire even to understand or to know or be a part of someone's life. I know it's going to get quiet in here, but it's okay with me because I, I just want to, I want to burrow down and mess in the muck a little bit. Can you allow me to do that? Just to mess? I think sometimes we do it in church too. We come to church to do our Christian thing, but we, we don't want to really take, we, we, we kind of do the Facebook unfollow thing. We still, yeah, you're a, you're a wonderful person, but I really don't want to know anything about your life. Really? Because if you really, really wanted to, there's a part here that has to show action. I know it's going to get quiet in here, and I'm not, I, 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 again, I am not thinking of anyone or anything in this church. I'm just saying, I'm just, I'm trying to, I'm trying to put the, I'm trying to hit the nail with my big hammer, okay? Okay? Right. I'm just trying to nail that sucker, and I just want to, I just want to let you feel a little bit, I just don't want anybody in here to go, that wasn't me, Okay? So I'm, I'm going to just nail it. You know, there's people that come to church and they feel like really church isn't, there's no need for it because there really is no interaction with people. They go, what's the point in coming here if I just don't know anybody? What, what, why is church so important? Because if I, if I really, if people care what they say they care, then why won't they, they love me? Now, love is a, is a little bit, understanding here is that you have, in order to have friends, you have to be a friend, okay? Okay, I'm going to take that and say that's an assumption, okay? So I'm not going to le- let anyone off the hook, but I guess what I am saying is that there is this tendency that we are consuming people's love without any responsibility to give it. And so there's this ghosting that takes place in the church even when we talk about relationships. Even people that we don't we find difficult to love We'd let, well, that must be someone else's duty to do that. I guess the point is, is that I think God is tired of the ghosting. He doesn't want us to be people to just pretend. Like, I've had lots of people that have that have done what I said they, they did, they walked out of, my rela- out of relationship to me, and then they turn around and they talk to me as if nothing has ever taken place. Now what do you do? I think sometimes we play the game and we pretend that everything's A-OK and we just 
go along and say, oh, you know what? You walked out of, out of the relationship you had, and now we're friends. Yeah, we're, we're cool. We're cool. We're friends. But deep down, there's this issue that hasn't been dealt with. It's difficult to do things out of relationship. You're ghosted when you feel the pain of another person's absence. Sometimes you wish you could just fight it out instead of avoiding one another. I remember... um, one time in life, back in grade school, I got into four fights in one day. Four. Four fights. In grade four, I got into four fights in one day. Like, we were, we were messing around, and the popular kid and his group of friends were just messing around, and, they, and he said, uh, and I said to him, do you want to fight? Because it was just kind of... He was doing it with the other, and he said, yeah, I do. I said, and then I'm backpedaling. I'm kind of going, ooh, I don't think I want to go there. And he wouldn't let me off the hook. And it started, he started spreading this that, I was, that he's going to fight me. And so this was after school. Got out there, and, and like, it was nonchalant for him, but for me, I was like, I'm a nine, now that I know that I'm a nine, and my heart was in my mouth. I was literally trying to get out of this situation that I found myself in, and so we went to fisticuffs, and I held my own. But in the context between the time I asked him for a fight as a joke and the time we fought, it happened two more times. Weird. Uh, my best friend from church was in my class, and I did the same thing with him, and he said, yeah, I want to, like, because he kind of went along with the popular people. He wanted to fight me and thought, what in the world are you doing? We're just joking. And then he backed off after the first fight. He backed (laughs) off and said, oh, I'm not fighting you. I said, come on, take a piece out of me. The third one was after that. He messed with me, and I, I wailed. I, I was, up that time, my emotions did so that I, I wailed on him. He didn't have anything. I was walking home, walking home, and I am literally in tears. I'm exhausted. I've just fought three people. <laughs> and then the, the big guy of the class catches me and says, you going to mess with me? And I'm going, I don't want to mess with you. You're going to mess with me. And he beat the living tar out of me. I, I don't know about you, but after four fights, I'm a little bit tired. I'm a, I'm a little bit shocked. I'm, you know, I, I didn't know how to deal with, with conflict. It was, it was something that just skyrocketed and snowballed, and, you know, you, you don't know really what to deal with, how to deal with that. So, you know, the tendency is to build protections in our lives so that we don't get to that degree of conflict. I also have a, a uh, understanding that there was... Uh, I had this girl in that same class that had a crush on me. Um, she was in my grade, and we would talk from time to time, and she, um, I, 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 she liked me, I knew that, but I didn't like her back, and I tried to be friendly a couple times. I even, she even followed me home from school. Uh, Days later, she followed me home from school again, and I think she found out that I didn't want to be her boyfriend. It's 
really hard to know why kids do what they do in grade four. Uh, she came up to me, prof, probably suffering from rejection, because this is such a manly piece of, under, you know, you know. But she was swinging a screwdriver at me. I said, stop that, get away. I turned around to walk away from her and she stabbed me in the back. I still have that scar in my back. Real love, God-like love, isn't always easy to give. You will face difficulties, but conflicts are not there to bring separation. They're there to deepen the relationship. Everyone in the world claims love is the highest virtue, but we as Christians embody a higher form of love. We exist to make divine love of God known to the world. This means loving people or loving the worst sorts of people. The kinds of people that the world isn't capable of loving. Have you ever had one of those walk into your life? I have. I was a, um, a youth pastor in Penticton. I was, uh, it was really interesting. I wanted to walk the halls of the high school. The, uh, pr- the principal at the time said, he said, uh, if you want to build relationships with people, you need to go down to the arcade, okay? That's how long this was. Go down to the arcade because that's where all the kids are. Don't come to my high school. You're not welcome here. About a few months later, <laughs> thank the Lord for um, contracts that are done between the school board and teachers. At that time, school teachers were no longer going to do noon hour supervision. So now the school board had to find people to walk the halls during lunch hour. (laughs) Sign me up. So what I volunteered to do for free, now the school board was paying me to do it. (laughs) I enjoyed it. I got to meet all sorts of different kinds of people, uh, of youth. And back then, this was back in the 80s, or the, sorry, not the 80s, because it would be after it would be the early 90s. Okay? Kids used to have chains on their neck with little tabs from cans. And what that used to represent, and we know what that used to, some of you know what that's all about. It's how many times you've uh, been intimate, let's put it that way. So how many tabs you had on here showed how many times you'd been intimate. And so that type of thing was talked, and I, you know, was able to listen to what people were saying and kind of go, wow, that, I'm sorry that you, you know, they, there was this disconnect, but yet there was this, this presence that I, I gave being in the schools at that time that people opened the, up their lives and wanted to know more. I met this guy in the hallway, and, and his name was, um, thank you, man. Okay, great. Nice to see you, Archie. Be blessed. So, um, as I was walking down the hall, I met this fella, and uh, uh, I just became friends with him. He was an older, more grade 12, 11. And uh, I found out later from the principal that he was, he was, uh, there was a restraining order on him that he wasn't allowed to be on the campus. And the reason why was he was uh, doing, selling drugs or whatever and involved in some unsavory behavior. So, but he would show, and I was told that I would have to ask him to leave, okay? There was no police sub, you know, uh, visual uh, visibility for kids to go, this person's bothering me, whatever. It was just lunch hour supervision. And basically, as I'm, I'm, 
I confront him, I ask him to leave, you know, he listens and is gone. What I hear months later, though, is that there was a murder taking place in our city. Rumor has it that he was the one that did it. All of a sudden, he comes to my office and wants to meet with me. What would you do? I met with him. I, I, I even confronted him. I even said, did you do it? He said, no. What else can you say when you've been confronted? It's either, yes, and I've all of a sudden now I have to squeal on him, or no, and so basically, you know, I expressed the love of God to him, said that God wanted to be his friend, and um, I was concerned about his life. I said, this, obviously there has been these rumors for a reason, and you're involved in some very difficult stuff, but I want, to help, I want to help you. He never did take me up on his help, on the help I was offering. But you get the point is that what do you do with difficult circumstances when they become, they come to you? Jesus never said that there would not, you would not face trouble. One of the reasons why we get together for on a, once a week is so that we can practice our love with each other. You want to know why we have church once a week? So that we can love one another. We can get involved in one another's lives. We can, we can, we can practice Jesus' love with one another. It's not a matter of whether you get to get something from somebody. It's, it's really a matter of how you give it. You see, the, ab- the aspect of ghosting is not so that we can receive and just pretend and feel good. God is really giving us an opportunity so that we can show our love one to another. That's the, whole, that's the only command that Jesus ever gave. Love one another as I have loved you. Here is a saying, and if you're taking notes, put it down. You will not... Sorry, what you don't have will not, I better say this correctly, I don't want to miss, I don't want to mess it. It's, um, it's from Bob Goff's new book. And it's in one of the chapters, and it's, he said this, we are not held back by what we don't have, but by what we don't use. We are not held back by what we don't have, but by what we don't use. And many of us come to this kind of situation and in, in church And we are thinking we are missing it out because we don't have love. We're wanting someone to love us, and yet we leave here maybe the same way in which we came, desperate for someone to love us. We feel like we're missing out on something. When really God is asking you to use what he's already given you. He's filled you with his Holy Spirit. He is desiring to work in and through you and to give through you the love that you so desperately are looking for to someone else. Because guess what? You already have it. You already have what you are desperately seeking for. The Word of God in this same book says you have an anointing. You have an anointing. You are not in the place of being something that you don't have. You already have it. The Holy Spirit is a part of you. It also says in the good book, in John, that 
there is living, there are streams of living water are to flow out of your being. The Holy Spirit works in the, in the aspect of a river. He is working through you. You are not a lake. You getting my drift? A lake receives everything and then gets bigger and bigger and, oh, look at me. God has designed you and I to be rivers. Jesus calls us to love our enemies. That's harsh. Because sometimes that's the most difficult thing to do is to love those that have hurt us. Sometimes people can be difficult to love under circumstances. And everyone, I think, here in this room knows someone who is hard to love. Ladies, I'm watching you that you don't poke your husband. That was a lot more funnier in my head than when I just said it, but someone who's hard to love. Someone, it's, is, uh, sometimes it's not... It's not the person who's hard to love. Sometimes it's just the circumstances. And in those cases, we stop short of love because it feels too costly for us to continue. One thing that still stretches me today is is now a young man, or he's now in his 30s. His name is Danny Lewis. Danny Lewis, back when I was in Penticton, had a motorcycle accident. A truck pulled out in front of him and his, he flew, the bike hit and his, he flew over the truck, but his chin strap on his helmet caught this truck had kind of bars, a canopy and bars, and caught, the bar caught his helmet, caught his chin strap, and so he went over, and his, literally his head or got caught, so his body and head got, and then slammed down. He became a quadriplegic from that point on, He had to be on a breathing machine. And today he is still on a breathing machine. Nowadays, we sometimes have think that it would probably be more merciful for him to be euthanized than to walk through life the way he is. We've gotten to that point in life where we are we are we think out we think in the world viewpoint that if someone can't have a normal life, then it's just merciful to let him go uh, wrong. Just because people aren't like us or can't go through life like us doesn't mean that they are not entitled to have and to understand and to appreciate the love of other people or to have a life for that matter. Good, good meaning Christians would come and visit. Now, I want to let you know is that Danny Lewis is a pastor's kid. His dad was the pastor of the Foursquare Church in Penticton, and it was a small church. And all of a sudden, when you walk through a difficulty like this, you, there is the, the binding up of love and the care for him and his, for Danny and the family and so forth. But after all of that has died down, you do get the well-meaning Christians that come in and try to explain why, what happened. Or they think, they give you explanations of why 
healing hasn't taken place and why this and so you get all this diversity of stuff and Danny's dad came to me afterwards he said you know it's it's difficult to walk through all of that and to still keep my love on when people are giving you reasons for what God is doing for what's happening, and it's totally out of the context of who God is. Well, there must be sin in Danny's life because he hasn't been healed. There must be sin in your life, Pastor, because Danny hasn't been healed. And then there's just Christians who cannot get past the fact that there is a machine and he is totally dependent on other people's actions for health. And that's where our kids were being homeschooled at the time, and so my wife decided that she would go up with the kids and visit Danny weekly. And so that's how Connor learned his alphabet really quick, and so did Katie. Katie said... uh, you know, back then, you know, he kind of got a little nervous around kids because he wasn't sure whether they would disconnect his hose. <laughs> but Katie said, Danny Woois, I know you can't love me, but I'm going to love you. And why am I bringing this up to you? Because for me, I had to walk through my own situation. And that is, how do I show love to Danny who cannot talk? He can, all he can do is move his mouth. This is yes, this is no. He can wave his eyebrows, but from here down, he is paralyzed. So, I came with the kids and Barb at times, but I can always remember the first time standing over and having to take the suction thing and to do the suction of his mouth because he was drooling. Do you want a suction? And pretend, you know, it's this big long, it's like being at the dentist, you know, where they stick this thing in your mouth and you go, and then you have to spit. It's not water, it's just suction. You stick it in and you... Then having to sit painfully, at the time painfully, when I first had to deal with this, and that is he had a word board, and that's where, why the kids learned their, their, their alphabet, because line one was A to H, and then second line was L to wherever, third line, so he had to go, so if you go one, he'd go, and literally you'd have to spell out each word from the movement of his mouth. Those issues are sometimes hard to walk through because they bring us to a point where we are loving someone that literally has barriers or issues or things that are happening or circumstances that can't love us back the way we think we need to be loved. Pastor George, Danny's father, said, the church doesn't really know how to deal with us. We were chatting in his living room, and he gave us reasons why God hasn't, they haven't given reason why Donnie, God hasn't healed Danny yet. I've been disappointed in God himself. I've been disappointed in people's lack of compassion. And I said, George, I don't have the answers. We didn't have answers. But we just kept visiting we just kept loving, even though it was a sacrifice. Christianity is not just about believing in Jesus. It's just as much about receiving what God has given to us and allow that to work through us. 
The whole point is coming to the end of that scripture that we read, and that is we have received the Holy Spirit. We have received the fullness of God that He might work through us. In places where it is hard to love, in places where it seems difficult, when we ourselves even feel weak, our capacity is weak to love one another. God is bigger than our hearts. It's the truest sign that we are the family of God. We love like no one else does because we are capable of doing what no one else can. And this is his commandment, that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another, just as he has commanded us. Whoever keeps this, his commandments abides in God and God in him. You see, we're still celebrating the afterglow of Christ's resurrection, but it's still easy to forget what the resurrection should mean to us. The resurrection just isn't an event in human history. The resurrection is the dawn of a new kind of humanity. You cannot love the way God loves without His Spirit flowing through your life. Whoever keeps His commands abides in God and God in Him. And this is what we know that He abides in us by the Spirit whom He has given us. The Spirit has been given to us for this very reason. God will not abandon you. The Holy Ghost is always present to show you how to love well. I do not believe there is anybody here in this room that can't love well. It's really the choice to love well. You have the capacity to be great lovers of God and lovers of his people. So ghosting really isn't a part of our lives. Now, does that mean I'm going to be the best friend of everybody here in this room? Well, Statistically showing, not everybody's going to be in your inner circle that knows you like your relatives do or your spouse does. Not everybody in here in this room is going to be showing their love to you by picking up your underwear, your dirty socks. But there is a place where you show the love of Christ in the places that need to be shown. God did not call Awakening Church to be apathetically sitting back and saying, I need to be loved, and I sure hope someone loves me. God didn't, didn't, didn't do that. He infused and filled you with his Holy Spirit so that you could show the love of God to one another. And that means that we take a step into situations. We get involved in one another's life. I don't know about you, but there are times where all of a sudden a person comes to mind and I go, God, I just pray for that person right now and I just ask that you would bless them. That you would minister to them. I don't know what's going on, but I just ask that you will bless them. And then texting afterwards. I, had your name came to mind today. Is everything okay? You see, you and I have the ability now to get involved in people's lives like none other through social media, texting, through our phones, and so forth. You can get in touch with people and show your love by thinking about them even in the midst of a very busy day. Sometimes it means that we we could have done something and we didn't do something and therefore we just need to walk through forgiveness. You see, church, if God is going to 
do what he says he's going to do and, and create us as to be burning ones, that burning is truly his love flowing through us to one another and to the rest of the world. Well, I only have a capacity for a very few friends. I've heard that before. Like, just give me my five best friends and I'll be happy. I don't see anywhere in the Bible where God only had five friends. He had 12. And one turned around and betrayed him. Literally. Got him killed. Another one betrayed him three times. The other ones took off when the going got rough. I don't know about you, but there has to be those, those situations created in those disciples. I, I really believe a sense, a sense of consciousness of their inability to walk through the love that they were called to. I don't know about you, but when I read of Judas being in sorrow and having to commit suicide, I think he came to the realization of what he exactly did. I'm not saying what he did was right. All I'm saying is there was a massive amount of sorrow because he understood what exactly he did. Peter came to the same realization. And all of them had to work through their issues that brought them to the point of his love, and they had to get past it. Thomas had to get past his ability to doubt that this was really taking place. Mary had to get past the sorrow of her Lord and Savior being gone in the garden. Right now, there are things in each and every one of our lives that are creating barriers and walls to the love of God, to each other, and to the world around us. And right now, it begins with the house of God. It says, God, I need to know your heart. I want to know your heart, and Lord, give me the ability to walk out your heart. And sometimes that's the people that are closest to us that see all of our issues and yet they still have been committed to love us. Those are the, the nitty-gritty parts that allow that love to take place, but there can take place in each and every one of our lives as we take steps forward with one another. The point is, do we trust God enough to walk out that love? Do you trust that the Holy Spirit would teach you how to love? What if we saw the gifts of the Spirit not as a way for us to get what we want, but for a way for us to be capable of loving other people the way God does? Do you need, you need to know that the deck is stacked against you. You're, you're going to face circumstances where you are called to love beyond your capacity. The most essential element of love is generosity. For God so loved that he gave. In this same way, God has given us his spirit. Even when other people are absent, he will never leave us or forsake us. I want you to be encouraged this morning now this afternoon, but I want you to be encouraged that God is building in you his heart for a capacity that is above and beyond you, a capacity to love. I, I, I encourage you to get Bob Goff's new book. He talks about taking a bucket with him. A bucket of things that are missing out that only the Holy Spirit can fill. And so his thing was patience. 
He needed patience. He spoke at this church, and he got, he got away from his house uh, in, the, in Texas or whatever, and uh, he was in a rush to get back home, and he got into the lineup to take his rental car back, and the rental car guy was slow, painfully slow, meaning he was going to miss his flight. And you know, he was sitting in the, while well, the guy was painfully slow, come on, get with it, have you been born yet? You know, all those thoughts go through your mind. And then he realized he had this bucket beside him. And he remembered that about the patience. So even without him thinking, when he got to his turn, he said, thank you so much. Have a great day. Be blessed. And he loved on him. And then the guy caught it. He was walking away. And the, and the, the agent, the rental car agent, chased after him and said, Oh, I just want to let you know that I really enjoyed your message this morning. <laughs> you see, what could have happened didn't happen. Because he remembered about his bucket and about what God could fill when he couldn't. It's not what you don't have that makes you miss out. It's what, it's what you don't use. Church, it's time for us to live out the calling of being burning ones. And that means love one another richly, deeply, sacrificially, with generosity. If we can do it here, you'll do it out there. Don't miss out on the opportunity to allow the love of God to work in and through your lives. And the very place where you think you're missing, God is able to fill it and bless you. And your weakness becomes his strength.